Volume two, chapter seventeen of A Charming Fellow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Charming Fellow by Francis Eleanor Trollope. Volume two, chapter seventeen. Minnie Bodkin had not dismissed from her mind the rumours about Algernon Errington, which she had heard from the widow Thimbleby. After some consideration, she resolved to speak to him directly on the subject, and decided on the manner of doing so. "'I will not try to speak to him in the presence of other people,' she thought. "'He would wriggle off and slip through my fingers if he found the conversation had any tendency to become disagreeable, and then, too, it might be difficult to speak to him without interruption.' This latter consideration had reference to Minnie's observation of Mrs. Algernon, who never saw her husband engaged in conversation with Miss Bodkin, without unceremoniously thrusting herself between them. The result of Minnie's deliberations was the sending of the following note to the Whitford post-office. "'My dear Algernon, I want to say a word to you quietly. Can you come to me on your way home this afternoon? I will be ready to receive you at any hour between four and six. Don't disappoint your old friend. M.B.' At a few minutes before five that evening, Mr. Ancrum Errington presented himself at Dr. Bodkin's house, and was shown up to Minnie's room. It was one of Minnie's good days. She was seated in her lounging chair by the fire, but she was not altogether reclining in it, merely leaning a little back against the cushions. A small writing-table stood in front of her. It was covered with papers, amongst them a copy of the local newspaper, and she had evidently been busily occupied. When Algernon entered, she held out her hand with a smile of welcome. "'This is very good,' she exclaimed. "'I was not sure I should succeed in tearing your postmastership away from the multifarious duties.' Algernon winced and held up his hand. "'Don't, Minnie,' he cried. "'For mercy's sake, let me forget all that for half an hour.' "'Oh, reassure yourself, most overworked of public servants. It is not about the conveyance of His Majesty's mails that I am going to talk to you. Upon my word, I am infinitely relieved to hear it.' And, indeed, his countenance brightened at once, and he took a chair opposite to Minnie with all his old nonchalant gaiety. "'How you hate your office!' said Minnie, looking at him curiously. "'More even than your native laziness, which I know to be considerable, would seem to account for.' "'Not at all. There's no difficulty in accounting for my distaste for the whole business. There can be no difficulty. It's the simplest, most obvious thing in the world.' "'Don't things go smoothly? Have you any special troubles or difficulties in the office, Algernon?' "'Special troubles? My dear Minnie, what on earth are you driving at?' "'I am driving at nothing more than the simple sense of my words implies,' she answered, with a marked shade of surprise in her countenance. "'I mean just what I say. Is your work going pretty smoothly? Have you any complaints? Does your clerk do well?' "'Oh, Gibbs, capitally, capitally. Old Obadiah is a first-rate fellow. Did you know his name was Obadiah? Absurd name, isn't it? Oh, yes, he's all right. I trust him entirely, blindly. He has the whole thing in his hands.' He might do anything he liked in the office. I have every confidence in Gibbs. But now, Minnie, let us have done with this subject. If you had as much of it as I have, you would understand. Come, dismiss the bugaboo, or I shall think you have entrapped me here to talk to me about the post office. And I warn you, I don't think I should be able to stand that even from you. How absurdly you are exaggerating, Algy, said Minnie, shaking her head at him, and yet smiling a little at the same time. But be at peace. I have nothing to say on the subject of the Whitford Post Office. My discourse will chiefly concern the Whitford Postmaster, and, no, don't be so ridiculous, not in his official capacity either. Oh, well, in his private character, I should think it impossible to find a more delightful topic of conversation than that interesting and accomplished individual, returned Errington, laughing and settling himself comfortably in his chair. I hope it may prove so. Tell me first, how is Mrs. Algernon Ancrum Errington? Why, Castalia's not very well, I think, although I don't know what is the matter. She grows thinner and thinner, and sallower and sallower. 
entre nous minnie she frets and chafes against our life here she has not the gift of looking on the bright side of things she's rather peevish by nature it's a little trying sometimes coming on the back of all the other botherations ha there passing his hand quickly across his forehead let us say no more on that subject either and now to return to the interesting topic the delightful and accomplished eh what have you to say to me minnie seized on the opportunity which chance had afforded her to introduce the matter which she wished to speak about do you think your wife is annoyed by the importunities of tradespeople, Algy? That would be enough to fret her and sour her temper. Importunities of tradespeople? Good gracious, no! And besides, I don't think Castalia would allow the importunities of tradespeople to disturb her much. I should fancy that a Bourbon princess could scarcely look on such folks from a more magnificent elevation than poor Castalia does. But, que voulez-vous? She was brought up in that sort of hauteur i quite believe in your wife's disregard for the feelings of the tradespeople answered minnie dryly but this is a question of her own feelings you see come algernon may i take the privilege of our old friendship and speak to you quite frankly pray do my dear minnie you know i always loved frankness he looked the picture of candour as he turned his bright blue eyes on his friend well then to begin with a question do you not owe money to several persons in whitford my dear minnie don't look so solemn for mercy's sake owe money why i suppose everybody owes money a few pounds would cover all my debts i assure you i am never troubled on the subject i am glad to hear it but will you forgive the liberty i am taking for the sake of my motive and give me carte blanche to be as impertinent as i please with all my heart he answered unhesitatingly thanks algy then to proceed without circumlocution i am afraid that since neither you nor your wife are accustomed to domestic economy you may possibly be spending more money than is quite prudent without being aware of it you say you are not disturbed by your debts but algy i hear things on this subject which are never likely to reach your ears or not until it is too late for the knowledge of them to serve you and i have reason to think that there is a good deal of unpleasant feeling among the whitford tradespeople about you and yours you will excuse me for observing that the whitford tradespeople always have been within my recollection a set of pig-headed prejudicial ignoramuses and that i see no reason to apprehend any speedy improvement on the intelligence of that highly respectable body don't laugh algernon the matter is serious you have not been troubled yet you say but the trouble may begin at any moment i should wish you to be prepared to meet it you may have bills sent in which bills oh as to that there's no lack of them already i must acknowledge the great alacrity and punctuality with which the mercantile class of this town send in their weekly accounts oh dear yes i have a considerable collection of those interesting documents so many in fact that the other day when castalia was complaining of the shabbiness of the paper hangings in our dining-room i proposed to her to cover the walls with the tradesmen's bills it would be novel economical and moral a kind of memento mori a death's head at the feast fancy seeing your butcher's bill glaring down above the roast mutton every day and the greengrocer's to account delivered restraining the spoon that might otherwise too lavishly dispense the contents of the vegetable dishes algy algy upon my honour minnie i made the suggestion but castalia looked as grave as a judge she didn't see it at all the fact is poor cassie's sense of humour is merely rudimentary minnie joined her hands together on the table and thus supported she leant a little forward and looked searchingly at the young man algernon she said with slow deliberation i begin to be afraid that the case is worse than i thought what do you mean he asked almost roughly and with a sudden change of colour i mean that you really are in difficult waters how has it come to pass that the weekly accounts have accumulated in this way he laughed a little forced laugh but he looked relieved too the process is simple they keep sending em in 
and then it is said forgive me if i appear intrusive that you gave orders for wine and such things out of whitford and that does not incline the people of the place to be patient well by jove exclaimed algernon throwing himself back in his chair and thrusting his hands into his pockets that is the most absurd the most irrational the most preposterous reason for being angry with me they grumble when i run up a bill with them and they are affronted when i don't does your wife understand or or control the household expenditure bless you no she's not the very vaguest ideas of anything of the kind when she had an allowance from her uncle for her dress my lord used to have to come down every now and then with a supplementary sum of money to get her out of debt he spoke with an air of perfectly easy amusement and without a trace of anxiety unless perhaps an accustomed ear might have detected some constraint in his voice but could she not be made to understand why not give us some hints on domestic economy it should be done kindly of course and surely her own good sense algernon pursed up his mouth and raised his eyebrows she considers herself an unexampled victim as it is i think lessons in domestic economy would about put the finishing stroke on the internal felicity of ivy lodge minnie looked pained they were trenching here on ground on which she had no intention of venturing farther it formed no part of her plan to be drawn into a discussion respecting the defects and shortcomings of algernon's wife she was silent algernon got up from his chair and came and stood before minnie taking both her hands in his my dear girl he said i cannot tell you how much i feel your kindness and friendship but now pray don't look so terribly like the tragic muse i assure you there's no need as far as we are concerned castalia is perhaps a little extravagant but after all what does it amount to a few pounds would cover all i owe the whole of our budget is a mere bagatelle the fact is you have attached too much importance to the chatter of those thick-headed boobies they hate us i suppose because castalia's uncle is a peer of the realm and because we dine late and because we prefer claret to double x or for some equally excellent and conclusive reasons i don't know that they hate you algy returned minnie but not with an air of very perfect conviction and after all it is scarcely a proof of personal malignity to wish to be paid one's bill algernon laughed quite genuinely oh yes it is he cried a proof of the direst malignity what worse can they do well algernon i cannot presume to push my sermonizings on you any farther you will give me credit at least for having ventured to make them from a single-minded wish to be of some service to you my dear minnie you're the best fellow in the world you remember i used to call you so in my saucy schoolboy days and when your majesty condescended to permit my impertinences and to show you how thoroughly i appreciate your friendship i don't mind telling you that when i am removed from this damned delightful berth that i now occupy i shall have to get uncle seeley to help us out a little but i feel no scruple about that something is due to me i ought never to have been placed here at all well no matter it was a mistake my lord sees it now and he is setting to work in earnest for me in other quarters i have every reason to believe that i shall get a very pretty promotion before long it isn't my business to go about proclaiming this to the butchers and bakers is it and between you and me miss bodkin your dear whitfordians are as great rogues as the tradesmen in town and vastly less pleasant to deal with they make us pay an enormous percentage for the trifling credit we take so let em wait and be paid dear minnie i assure you i shall not forget your affectionate kindness he bent down over her as he said the last words still holding her hands a change in minnie's face made him look round and when he did so he saw his wife standing just within the room behind him minnie was inexpressibly vexed with herself to feel a hot flush covering her face she knew it would be misconstrued and that made her colour the more mrs algernon errington was the first to speak i beg your pardon miss bodkin she said i didn't know that you were so particularly engaged 
what the deuce brought you here asked her husband with a not altogether successful assumption of thinking the whole trio including himself completely at their ease there was no one in the drawing-room nor in the study continued castalia still addressing minnie so i thought i would come direct to your room i see now that i ought not to have taken that liberty well frankly i don't think you ought my dear said her husband lightly minnie was sorely tempted to say so too but she felt that any show of anger on her part would but increase the unpleasantness of the situation and a quarrel with algernon's wife under such circumstances would have been equally revolting to her pride and her taste so she held out her hand to castalia with grave courtesy and said i have to apologize on my side for having taken the privilege of old friendship to sermonize your husband a little he will tell you what i ventured to speak to him about i hope you will forgive me castalia appeared not to see the proffered hand she stood quite still near the door as she answered oh i dare say it is all quite right i don't suppose ancram will tell me anything about it i am not in his secrets this is no secret mrs Addington. at all events not from you oh i don't know but i dare say it doesn't matter through all the languid insolence of her manner there was discernible so much real pain of mind that minnie once more checked a severe speech and answered gently you will judge of that of course algernon will discuss the subject of our conversation with you mrs algernon errington scarcely condescended to return minnie's parting salutation but walked away saying to her husband over her shoulder i am going to drive home it is nearly dinner-time i suppose you are coming but don't let me interfere with your arrangements interfere with a fiddlestick cried algernon in the quick testy tone that was the nearest approach to loss of temper minnie had ever seen in him then he added after an instant with a short laugh i don't know why i am supposed not to include dinner in my arrangements to-day of all days in the year and then the husband and wife went away together and entered the fly that awaited them before dr bodkin's door how did you know where to find me asked algernon suddenly after a silent drive of some ten minutes oh i knew you had a rendezvous i had no rendezvous you could not know it couldn't i i tell you i saw that creature's letter dear algernon what right has she to write to you like that and castalia burst into angry tears algernon turned upon her eagerly saw her letter where how i-they told me it was at the office you went to the office and you saw minnie's letter i-it's no use scolding me or pretending to be injured i know who's injured of us two i suppose i must have left the note lying open on the table of my office said algernon speaking very distinctly and not looking at his wife yes that must be it i-i tore it up you will find the fragments on the floor if you think them worth preserving what a goose you are castalia exclaimed her husband leaning back in the carriage and closing his eyes now the fact was that algernon distinctly remembered having placed minnie's note in a drawer of a little secretaire which he kept habitually locked and of which the key was at that moment in his waistcoat pocket and the discovery that his wife had in some way or other obtained access to the said secretaire gave him for reasons known only to himself abundant food for conjecture and reflection during the rest of the drive home End of chapter 17 End of volume 2